thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. You open that door, I'm leaving it to you to close because you ain't going to listen to me. All right. I'm just letting you know that. Okay. I'm a grown man. All right. We control the microphone. So. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't leave this room if, it, if we don't say so. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan. It's unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Uh, 163. Man, piling up. Hey, Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. Are we starting to get normalized now? Normalized. Do we have enough podcasts to be normalized? Uh, I thought... To me, normalized has always been an audio term. Right? It's when you take your highest peak and you make that the, the highest possible peak without distortion, and everything just gets louder. Yeah, but... But apparently it's something that we're not supposed to do now. Yeah. How does this work, Rich? You had brought up briefly before we started that people were... They were trying to get people to not normalize Trump and the alt-right. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, it's the buzzword I keep reading uh, uh, how, in articles. And how do you normalize them? Like, give their arguments credit, or try and like combat them with logic, or just accept them as? I guess accept them. Period. I guess this is just digging your heels in, the equivalent of digging your heels in and going. No matter what you say, you have no ground to stand on. I mean, that's the only thing. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, cause it's it's you know Trump's homophobia and xenophobia and racism and sexism we can't allow it to be normalized. What are these people well, going to do in a month when he's actually president? But you know, it's funny the, the word normal is kind of what well, we talked about how Chris and I think of it now in in audio context. It's yeah, because it's not really used in other the the whole political correct movement that we've seen over the last two decades is. It, one of the first things it did is wipe the word normal out of existence in the respect that there really isn't a normal... If you say there's a normal, you're saying there's a not normal, right? And that there's automatically an other. And that's ostracizing yeah. a certain part of the population. To say that a normal person walks and a not normal person, therefore, has a wheelchair or has yeah. no legs or something like that. So that was one of the first things that we started doing with, you get with that, that. You start asking that old age-old existential question, the, what now, is normal? So now it's the same people who are saying that, oh, well, we are the new normal, and this person or group of people is the other, the, the abnormal. So it's come full circle, hasn't it? I'm just getting tired of everybody and everything <laughs> and all the stupid shit we talk about week after week. Now, I, Grant, doesn't mean I don't like doing the podcast, but it just seems like it's John Oliver this season. You know, his, the yeah. stick he kept doing about, remember when I told you last week we were at rock bottom? Uh-huh. I feel <laughs> we every, found another rock I layer. feel every podcast we're talking about something oh. dumber than we were talking about the week before. Just you know, it's I think funny. we couldn't get any dumber. It's fu- it's funny you bring that up because we're regressing. Yes, we're back it's to funny, Russia. It's funny you bring that up because uh, last night I was doing some work and I was like, "All right, I've listened to every podcast I'd wanted to listen to," and I was like, "Let me go digging through the old episodes." And I threw on just a random episode where it just so happened to be all four of us. We had Jay in there, and 
it was just a free flow conversation and we were cracking jokes and laughing and I'm just going, God damn, man, the tone has been changed, but I, it's not like it's a conscious effort on our part. It's not like we're like, we're going to have to be serious now. It's just, no, I think our anger is being triggered. There's, 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 there's just so much like really, honestly, if we're a topical podcast and we're going to talk about what's going on in the world, Right now, the world's not a very happy, you know, laughing, happy-go-lucky place. So, it really is kind of like, you know, they held a mirror up, and it's like, <laughs> we've seen the monster, and the monster is us. Well, it's but, like we talked about why we brought the podcast back. We were all, dude, we'd all just, <clears throat> the podcast stopped, but our chat group kept going, and it just eventually got to a point where we're like, it's... We're basically doing the podcast in the chat group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's not it's, our so, fault. So, Everything went this, to hell in the last year. This whole so, use of the word "normal" it's like the the social justice warriors in their war against bigotry have become the bigots. But you can't tell them that. That's the problem. I don't, I'm still. I don't mean to harp on this, but I am really confused by what not normalizing. How, that's, just, that's a straight up macroaggression. I'm Everyone in this room is now dumber. <laughs> I'd really like to know what to it me. means to like not normalize somebody. I, I mean, don't know. Well, it depends what your definition I know what of that, normal is, Aaron. I know that what that means in high school. You don't talk to them, or you're not supposed to talk to them, or else you're not one of the popular people. Well, you know, one of the the the, the common thoughts I'm seeing in a lot of my my friends' kids who are in high school and are of high school age, and almost. Almost, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say honestly, it's north of ninety percent of them are super, 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 super liberal, um, which I guess is to be expected with you know a younger crowd. But one of the things I keep you know hearing when I talk to them or when I see what they post online or whatever is, you know, why can't people just shut up and accept my sexuality or my gender or or, or whatever I, I choose pronoun I choose to call myself. Why, why do they have to comment on it? They, need just, they just need to shut up and accept it. Because you make comments like that. It's a vicious fucking circle. And it's like, well, wait a minute. So you want the freedom to walk around inventing new things to call yourself, but you don't feel that anyone has a... You want the right to do that, but you don't feel anyone has the right to comment on it? No, that's how it is. Like, they don't... It, people don't understand. Like, I am all for your right to be an idiot. But you also have to remember that part of that right includes me being allowed to think you're an idiot. But nobody gets that anymore. It's it's really funny. Like, okay, not to, it's we've covered it on Sporgy, but the uh, the latest shooting with a former NFL player. Um, you know, reading articles, of course, eventually because I'm, I'm apparently a sadist. Um, I, I I work my way down to the comments section. And I'm reading people talking about... I can't avoid them either. It's know, like it's, a disease, isn't it? It's it, like a sore on your fucking finger that you just keep picking at. Like, but, you, you know, know it's I, down there all nasty and shit, but there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. And, you know, eventually I make my way down there, and I'm seeing people who are definitely expressing, you know, the, the liberal view, and they're saying things like, this person doesn't deserve due process. It's, it's guilty until proven innocent. 
Wow, that's pretty fascist of you liberal people. And I'm just like... Hitler would love that kind of attitude. Exactly. And it, it's, it's scary, but, but at the same time, I just try to go, you know what? It's the same thing as the idiot online who's dropping every racial slur and you know, uh, homophobic slur or whatever he can just because he can, because the anonymity of the internet gives him the ability to do that. But really, there are people that are like that. There are people that think like that. And it's scary. What's scary is the well, squeaky yeah, wheel gets the creeps. I was like creeps. a teenager, and I didn't know any better. I mean, I just... I, it's, it's... It's depressing. And I mean, it, just to, to be completely honest with you guys... You know, I love doing the podcast. I love doing the show. But it does take a lot out of me when I'm like, okay, I have to start reading articles. I have to catch up on what's going on. I got to get my finger on somewhat of the pulse of But of you this, are this getting topic. it out of you. Hey, you want to? Hey, a little, little, little tip for you, Rich. Just, Just what I do personally. I only poke my head out of the sand the one day of the week. Thursday, I'm reading the AP all day. Nothing's so pressing that, honestly, you couldn't just read all the news in one day of the week, honestly. I read the AP no, all no, day Thursday, and then I pop my head back into sand. Guys, I, I totally realize it's 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 my nature. It's just the, the nature I have. It's something I have to deal He's with. passionate man. I'm, I'm one of those people that I well, do everything to extremes. If I'm plus ignoring if Twitter, things, I ignore it to it the extreme. If I am wallowing in this or if i'm getting looking into a subject i'm doing it to the extreme so it's just my personality it is just something that i have to learn to pull back in and do what you guys are saying like compartmentalize it to i i'll do it this one day and just for the show and i'll binge and purge i'll stuff it in puke it out on the show and then move on but it's kind of hard because for whatever reason I don't know if it's because I do the show, but you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends' kids, they start, they'll bring up the subjects. I don't bring them up when I'm talking to them and I see them, you know, in day to day life, and I'm going, "Really, you're going to sit here and talk about the 113 master gender list on Tumblr with me? Do you do this with everybody you run across? <laughs> no, if you, right? It's like if you do, you're the most." It. If you do, you're the most annoying person in the world. That's how come people fucking tell you to shut the fuck up. If you just do it with me, what what prize did I win for this? And I find myself getting into discussion, debate, and if it's face-to-face, it's just like anything else. When you're face-to-face with someone, you are much more hesitant most of the time to say certain things than if it's... If you're removed from each other and there's a computer think, screen between you but two. But there's, there's another thing that you're, you're talking about here, Rich, and that's how close you actually are, how much contact you have to have in your life with these people. And for I, I run into the same shit where I have to bite my tongue at work and listen to the guy across from me, you know, complain about any number of things that I could, like, contradict easily, but do I want to have the conversation? Because it'll probably go all day. And, yeah, and at a certain point, the well, more people you piss off at work, the less job security you have. 
Right. So we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to talk about this politics shit with the people that we work with. So at work, I'm like, we're, hey, coffee we're, and football. We're Mondays, huh? To, we're we're advised to just avoid the subject altogether at the holidays. So TGIF. Don't talk to your family about it. That doesn't leave us with a whole lot of people that most people interact with, right? If you're not related to them or work with them in some way, then that's a very narrow group of so people like that you have this. that you can talk to. It's, it's, right? like, it's like throw my brain in the octagon once a week. Well, I think this is why we see a lot of this this reflected outwards to strangers. More, it's another step removed when you're talking about the anonymity that uh, allows you to criticize somebody else's actions or behavior. You can't call out your uncle or your boss, but if somebody posts something online, oh man, game on, I'm getting it all out on this one. And you kind of, well, it's kind of like how a woman argues, right? It's not really about what you're arguing about at that point. It's about everything else that she hasn't even brought up in the last six months that has pissed her off. Uh, yeah. I mean... It's pent, a, it's she, pent she, up. She could hear. It's me. An, it's right, an unpopular way right to put above it, me. but it's true. It's. I mean, I, I'm, it's not just a woman, a womanly quality. I have to admit, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's what we're seeing. Is we're we're seeing this like we want to call people out, but we are constantly fronted it, put in situations where either it's going to be uncomfortable or detrimental to our relationships or career to argue any point in that situation. So you bite your tongue. Oh, believe me, I have a friend who's going through that right now. He lost his job because he didn't bite his tongue. And talking to him about it, he, you know, he went to go get his last check and he talked to his, his you know supervisor and he's like, look, I want you to know that this is bullshit. I got railroaded. You know, let's say there's a hundred employees. Four people walked into your office and said they had a really? problem. But it really didn't didn't learn the lesson still and picked up the check. Had to throw in the two cents. So, and his his supervisor goes, "Look, I've been doing this job for thirty years, and I tried to tell you when I hired you, these people are not your friends. These no. people are these people are people who you would probably have nothing to do with except for the fact that you work with them, and don't." fall into the trap of thinking you can have casual conversation like you would with a friend because the minute you say something they don't like, their little sewing circle is going to get together and you're going to be the odd man out and that's yep. exactly what happened you're going to have a nice little cozy, comfortable room mm -hmm. under that bus I haven't talked politics at all at my new job, Exactly. I don't, I don't aim to it's, it's, the same, it's the same thing as when I go to work any new place of the first of all half the people there don't think i'm on facebook because they look at me and they think i'm some sort of like troglodyte that doesn't even know how to work a smartphone and then the other half ask me if i have like a facebook page or instagram or whatever the fuck and nobody got I'll, a grinder profile and I'll, <laughs> and I'll start getting friend requests and i i've just learned when the subject of social media comes up at work I, just to get it out of the way, I'll, I, I tell everybody, I'm like, look, it's nothing personal. I don't add anyone I'm currently working with on my friends list. My, I, There has to be a, 
the healthy boundaries between my work life and my private life. And the two don't need to blur constantly. If you choose to be friends with your boss on Facebook and you put everything you do out there, that's you. I choose not to. Because I've seen it come back and get people fired, get people passed over for promotion, etc., etc. So it's just to me it's just a smart way of doing it and of going had, about it. And then he added because I don't know if you're a whole bunch of sensitive pussies, but you know. He did oh, that, yeah. you do that once, you learn your lesson. I worked well when I worked for a guitar center for a number of years. It's a very um Oh, what's the word? It's almost cult-like mm-hmm. in the way that uh, that place indoctrinates you into this like macho salesman attitude, and so there was a lot of uh, hanging out after work. There was a lot of gigging and playing in bands, and that's how you like met people that you played in bands with and shit. So you were very close to the people that you worked at worked with. And everyone was friends on Facebook, and even the managers, and even higher up. <clears throat> it was at that at a point where the company was like uh, encouraging everyone to like have a profile and be active on social media. <coughs> Excuse me, but it, it was that same familiarity that put uh, many people, including myself, in positions that uh, ended up getting themselves in trouble. In my case fired for, uh, you know, I guess if I could sum it up to why I got fired from that job, it was not understanding that there was, there had to be a clear separation between management and, and everyone that worked below me. I was way too chummy with everyone involved. I've had two instances with social media in the workplace, and it's now just led to a strict you know, sorry if we work together. No Facebook. The end. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I've I've um, the last job I, I was at. Uh, first of all, <laughs> the general manager of the store was dating the head manager of the store. They were a couple, so that was interesting right there. And I had to work with them when they worked together. So right there, the the, the there wasn't very healthy boundaries at the job site, and. Uh, she came up to me and she said, uh, hey, what are you doing Sunday? And I, I wasn't working Sunday and I said, I got stuff to do. And she, oh, okay. She walked away. A general manager came up and he goes, what, what are you doing Sunday? <laughs> I'm like, what is this obsession with what I do on my time off? And he's like, oh. yeah, I know what's going like, I've seen go. Yeah, I'm like, I know you're trying to get me to work. And he's like, well, you know, and then she, she wandered over and she's like, well, you know, they figured if they ganged up on me, I guess they figured it'd break me down. It just shows how little they knew me. And they're like, well, what, what, what are you doing? It's so important you can't come into work. I said, you know what? I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm sitting at home thinking deeply about healthy boundaries between my work life and my personal life. That's what I'm doing all day Sunday. <laughs> no, they, they wanted to play a game of who's got the more important life, but they wanted you to go first so that they knew that they could trump you. Mm-hmm. The fucking dicks. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't help that these are, you know, uh, I won't say kids. I mean, you know, they're, they're in their mid to late 20s, and I'm sitting here going, this is not my first rodeo, guys. 
I might have fell for this when I was 18, 19, still wet behind the ears. But I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not fresh Sunday, out of boot camp here. Being a free American. That's what yeah. I'm doing on Sunday. Now, to, you know, to, to, to be honest with you, after that, if they wanted me to work, they would just come up and go, hey, can you work Thursday night? And if I felt like working, I had nothing else planned. I go, yeah, I'll come in and cover Thursday night. And if Train I didn't, you. I said no. There was no game playing. Hey, so you did what you did, an Oprah thing. You taught people how to treat you. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? I yes. mean, if you let people walk on you, then the first time they do it, they just they get pissed when you don't let them do it a second, third, fourth, and fifth time. No, it's it's kind of a rule I use at my job. The relationship will be how you would like it to be. You know. I'm here, I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Vanilla. I am going to conform to whatever part of this relationship you want it to be like. You want it to be hostile? You'll see me two times a year. You want it to be friendly? We'll text message and send emails and chat every time I'm in town. You, you will set the tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's like the line from Fight Club. You decide your own level of involvement. You de- you decide how if you show me respect, I'll show you respect. If you come at me with an attitude of, you better show me respect. Well, oh, Rich, I just think you I think you just hit on a big disconnect we're having as a as a group lately. Mm-hmm. The entitlement has crossed over to the respect category. It's nothing but a bunch of people demanding respect. Instead of doing things right. to perhaps earn it and learn it's maybe a cyclical, symbiotic kind of deal. You were born with respect. Just the fact that you were born should be respected. Yeah, because I'm important. It's no longer about original sin. It's about original respect. I'm one of seven million viruses with shoes. I'm important, goddammit. Or seven billion. Pardon me. Yeah, I was going to say seven million. Boy, land's going cheap, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and that's that's... Partly why I'm growing up with every male in my family serving in the military to various degrees for various lengths of time. I learned to respect the rank, even if I don't respect the man mm-hmm. and or woman. And for all the bad things that come along with being raised by people like that, I think that's a good thing because I'm able to separate the two. When my boss tells me to do something... I do my best not to take it personal unless he makes it personal. And luckily, I'm, I, I can, I'm pretty good at detecting when I'm being personally fucked with and when I'm just being told to do something that's a shitty job, but it's my turn to do it. So. Well, Phil. Yeah. Russia, you guys scared? No. <laughs> No, no. I think this is. I, I think it's, this is another it, distraction. I think this is continuing I, to escalate. I think this is another look over here, everybody. At what? By whom, though? Because doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, the CIA has a report that says that not only do they believe that Russia was responsible, but that Vladimir Putin himself would have had to have signed off on any orders to hack both the Republican and Democratic parties. Where is the CIA report that says we're dumb? I believe I talked about this the last show. 
Like, so what if they're, quote-unquote, manipulating it? They they found our they found a weakness in us and exploited it. How is well the fact that they that we're so easily swayed, right? That, well, a picture with quotes next to it on the internet, or something that I changed the font so it looks official. But you don't even want to understand the threat and maybe put together some kind of counter countermeasure. I mean. If the if the Russians are hacking us, it's uh, no. I'm just I'm not scared it, of Russia. I'm scared of China. I'm not scared. Well, that's a that's a whole different story. That's what I'm saying. This could be a ruse. While everyone's like, "Hey, look at Russia," we're back to George Carlin. While you're watching a noisy one, a quiet one will fucking kill you. Like, well, look. So we have. We have the wait. It was the, the fact of the the CIA re, um, report that says that Russians hacked both Democratic and national parties, and that and also inferred that Vladimir Putin would have to be involved or signed off on an order like this. We have the rumor that Donald Trump has is pictured at an orgy listen to the language you're just and you're, you're that, using huh? you're using infer rumor like it's what do you mean it's suggestive I'm not tra- what are you trying to call me out on here because no, i'm talking you, about no, no not you in general i'm just saying in general it's it, all of this stuff has suggestive language in it it's not really saying anything it's kind of stuff it's that's saying a lot of things it's it's <laughs> when, well, what would you use words like infer or rumor? It's it, it's not based in fact. You're just kind of nudging somebody towards a point. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we really can't prove it, but here's what we think's going on. Well, no, the they have proof that the Russians hacked us. The inferred part was Vladimir Putin's involvement. Separately from that was the rumor that I wanted to bring up. Of the photo of Trump at an orgy. That's really a r- real thing. That wasn't just. I'm just talking about. I'm. <laughs> I'm just saying these are things no, that I mean, people no, are talking that, no, about. No, I'm saying that rumors are real hearing, thing. I'm hearing. No, that I rumors are real. That is a real thing. Yes. That that wasn't just the deaf frat guy fucking around at Am Carolla show. That's a real rumor. That is actually. I did not know that he did. Yes, I thought that was just a comedian fucking around. Unfortunately, the deaf rat guy is not that quick on his feet. <laughs> He's good at what he does, but God damn it, really? Yes, we live in this country. Yes, I thought so too because that was the first place I had heard it. Well, it's like when I sent you guys the thing yesterday with saying Linda McMahon is in charge of the Small Business Administration. Jay was like, "Is that from the Onion?" Like, no, this is from AP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Where do we live? What happened? It's only been like a month. I don't know. Like, we already talked about this one, but Linda McMahon, I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> That's like the least of anybody's problems. Stone Cold and Secretary <laughs> of Defense. And, you know, who knows? Maybe she'll, <laughs> maybe she'll be great. But uh, I mean, I, she, she, she took the WWF... From a small business to a multinational. I'll give her that, because she was the business manager for that whole thing. Right. But still, it's just the fact that our our president and 
fucking the WWE is like one degree of separation. That bugs the shit out of me. It just it's it's parody come to life, like it's living satire. Well, forgive me, but what is what is the Trump orgy thing? Supposedly, literally, it supposedly Putin's got a picture of Trump at an orgy or a video of Trump at an orgy in Moscow. I believe a picture. Okay, He's, let's say it's. Let's just assume it's true for a sec. Yes. So what? Uh, uh, Presidents that's exactly. be fucking. That's. Clinton have been like, hey, that's me. Hey, look. <laughs> have been like, like, I'm, like, I'm a good oh, side. Damn. Hey, why didn't you call me there, Trumpster? Yeah. A lot of Russian I, twins. I could sling some Arkansas dick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, is it a good look for the president of the United States to be caught on video or camera, whatever, at an orgy? No. Is it a deal breaker these days? To some people, well, what the fifty, sixty years ago, it would have been if they if they had half, if they had photos of half the shit Kennedy did, Kennedy would have never been president. I think I if know. it's if it wasn't when he was president, what's the big fucking deal? I I'm sorry, I even brought that one up actually because well, no, no, because it, it it's it's it, bring it up. That's see, that's the thing. It's it's like this whole thing with this this comet pizzeria, and there's children in the basement that. Are you know sex slaves and shit, and a dude shows up with an AK forty seven to to figure out if it's true or not. What the fuck? I didn't even hear about that story until that happened. So, if we if we bring it out and talk about it, we can go. Right, you're, okay. say, you're saying you didn't you weren't even aware of the story about the pizzeria until a guy showed up with a machine gun at the. And, and and to investigate. Let's put it this right. way: the only thing I had heard about it was in comment sections online from obviously far right people, and I thought they were just throwing out shit out there like the far left people do that say, "Oh, because Trump said grab him by the pussy, Trump's a rapist." It's like it's you're taking a huge leap of faith. One's harassment, one's a, one's a physically violent act towards another that, person. I think maybe you mean logic. A leap of what logic. I, what did I say? Leap of faith. Oh, I said, okay. Unless you, yes. unless you really wanted to believe in your heart that, that Trump was a rapist. So I, just, I thought it was people just saying shit just to say shit to, and see what stuck to the wall. And it was mostly the two weeks prior to the election. So, and I hadn't heard much about it afterwards. Then I heard about, you know, this guy showing up doing this, and I found out it goes back to the alt-right, and there's rumors of some sort of satanic cult, and it somehow it got 4chan's involved, and I'm like, okay. Automatically, I'm having flags go up in my head. Alt-right, 4chan, satanic cult, all bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just, it's conspiracy theory nonsense like the lizard people and the flat earthers you know it's just and yet they they found evidence that oh fuck i can't remember who it was was somebody's nephew that was working in the trump campaign that was spreading this story around but there was there was there was evidence that pizzagate was being uh the story was being spread around by the Trump campaign. 
Well, Trump's never met a rumor he didn't like to to spread with no attribution to where he heard the rumor from. He just heard it. Right. I mean, that's that's been his M.O. since he started actually campaigning. Well, and before then, look at the, the whole birth certificate thing. You, you know, well, I've heard, I've heard. We spread fake news about. Uh, oh, excuse me. Pizzagate conspiracy theory. Oh, so someone in his someone in his little crew was like, "Thank oh, you, Michael Flynn Jr." Well, let's jump on this, spread this, see if it'll it'll buy us, you know, ten to twenty thousand votes for people. You know, maybe get a couple people sitting on the fence to come to our side, who are gullible enough to believe it. He well, gets caught is- doing it. Trump does the only thing he can do and tells the guy to fucking kick rocks. No, this is post-election, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Trump advisor Jason Miller told reporters on Tuesday morning that Flynn, the son of Trump's pick for national security advisor, is no longer involved with the transition efforts. After reports revealed he was assisting with the team and that it had even requested security clearances for him. They were trying to say, well, he was just helping out. He's was helping out with computers because he's young, and all these old, none of these old fucks knew how to work computers. So he was coming and doing like organizing and filing and shit. Like, well, no, you requested a security clearance. There's a, the, what I was trying to find. There was a, a story on on the media where I can't recall the name of the reporter, but he was uh, he had to ask the question multiple times to. Uh, to what's his name? Race Bannon. To President, President yeah. Pence. Yeah. Co President Pence. He asked him, did he or did he did he indeed have a, a security clearance? And I just recommend going and listening to it because it, it's just its own little podcast, an eight minute interview uh, clip where Mike Pence does like the most brilliant political dance. I mean, hats off to him. Like, he he is asked basically the same question four or five times. He manages to give different answers that all mean the same thing and say absolutely nothing. That's what they do. Oh, but it's great. I mean, if you want perfect examples of somebody talking political bullshit. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember even what news organization he worked for. But look up on the media podcast and you'll find it. No, I'm not saying right now. If you're interested. Yeah, don't turn off this podcast. <laughs> Put it next so, after this podcast. So the conversation about Russia was, uh, you you say that you that Donald Trump says that he respects Russia, right? But he, there's no direct ties to Russia. And then his choice for Secretary of State is Rex Tillerson, who has what is the the, the Friendship Award? I think they call it. Just the, it's, a, it's the highest award a non-Russian citizen can get. And that you are forever oh, a from friend. From Russia? From Russia. Uh, they are forever a friend of Russia. Very tight with Russia and Putin in general. And lots of world leaders, I'm sure, because as head of Exxon, you're doing, you know, doing a lot of shit. You yeah, know, it's a global business. You know that's a lot just, of people. Yeah, that's just not dealing with people in Texas. So then the CIA says, well, what about this evidence of hacking? And Trump says, 
Who's going to believe you guys? You're the ones who said there were there were WMDs. You know, what have you gotten right? <laughs> Which, while correct, and all right, it's a low blow, but it, 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 you, can't, uh, you can't deny it. It is true that the CIA was complicit in this whole uh, WMDs and enriched uranium and all this bullshit. But you can tell where his real concerns are by what he deflects away from. The fact that he's just deflecting away from Russia and saying, well, this is coming from the CIA and you can't trust them. Just tells me all the more, like, he's telling us, don't look at Russia anymore. There's nothing going on over here. Nothing to see here, folks. He's like a cop in New York City. Keep moving. Nothing to see here. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm not convinced to the that there's a, a level of involvement that would have made a difference. I'd like to blame Trump being elected president on Russia, but even though it didn't make sense when it happened initially, Russia didn't vote. It kind of, it kind of sinks in pretty quickly that we did this to ourselves, right? Yeah, we okay, would but, like okay, to but, blame but, Russia, but we really feel like we are ourselves to blame at heart let's stop for just one second okay yes and and take a look at the big picture all right what's the big picture as far as this whole russia trump connection yeah he's been easy on russia more so than any candidate i can ever remember he respects putin in my in in, in my life you gotta respect a man who looks like that with the shirt off it his age. You Gotta know, respect right? 97% of the vote. Respect yeah. those pecs. He kept saying, yeah, I know, 97%. <laughs> who who, who the other 3% vote for? Uh, anyways. Death. Death. Um, yeah, <laughs> cyanide pills. Not breathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just didn't show up. <laughs> uh, it'd be funnier if it wasn't true. They took the physical challenge. <laughs> but... <laughs> but... <laughs> okay, so stronger so, than so, a bullet. That was a so, physical <laughs> challenge. <laughs> so, so Trump's, uh, you know, really is really easy on Russia and, and really easy on, on Putin compared to any other candidate I can remember in my lifetime. Um, and he's been caught multiple times saying, "I don't know the man, never met the man," and then his own words come back. And if you go strictly by what he says, he makes it sound like he was sitting around eating dinner with the man, and they, they met and they talked. Really, really nice guy, really nice guy, great guy, you know, and all this shit. And so he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He was on that stage and said, I will accept. He said that he said the election is rigged, and the only way he was going to accept the results of the election is if he won. Mm-hmm. All right. Almost as cocky as Bush was. I understand when they were calling the election in 2000 for Gore, and Bush was just sitting there going, "Nah, they, nah, I got a feeling about Florida. I got a feeling about Florida." And he just kept saying that over and over and over again. And that was something right. that eventually, after the dust had settled about that election, we just swept under the rug because it was an embarrassment. Because obviously, they knew something was going on in Florida. Now, I'm not saying that they had a hand in fixing the election in Florida, but they had an insider there going, okay, shit's coming back, and 
it's kind of like a lie detector test. We can make it. We can make it. You know, these hanging chads. We can make it, the votes go either way. We could throw them out because they're technically not filled out properly, or we could say they're inconclusive, and so we can get a recount, etc., right. etc. What I'm saying is, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, and yes, it is circumstantial evidence, but there's a lot of little things that add up to. And coming out of his own mouth, in his own group, in his own, in his group of people that are pointing towards, there's more of a connection there mm-hmm. than we're giving him credit for. And that's one that, that goes back to one of the most dangerous things to do is start calling someone crazy. Because once you do that, and once you call them a conspiracy theorist and crazy, you can dismiss everything they say out of hand, and you don't even have to take under consideration what they said or anything they present to you. It seems and that's, like a, it seems like what's going on right now. An accusation like this, at some point, while uh, most politicians would tend would uh, would like to just say, "Oh, it's outrageous. I'm not even going to address it." Right? But at some point, when it's gotten to this point where there's a CIA report that's claiming that there's Russian hacking, you then have to make some sort of statement. And I, while Trump isn't your normal politician he's doing things a different way his own way your normal politician would have a statement saying that not only is there no uh that they don't believe in that there is russian hacking on uh involved in this but that they would personally make it their mission to get to the bottom of it if they find out you know anyone in my and my transition team was is involved in this you know they're going to be held responsible Make some sort of uh, address the subject in a way that says, you know, we're going to take care of it no matter what it is. He's just deflecting constantly. Again, it's because people will read between the lines. He doesn't That's want us to look over here. Hey, don't look over here. You don't like what you're going to find. Look over there. Right. No matter how outrageous the, the accusations are to a politician, at some point, if enough people are talking about them, they have to address it. Because people will read between the lines if they don't and say, well, there's something that they're not saying here. They haven't explicitly come out and said, I would never uh, be interested in having uh, you know, this or that type of relationship with Russia or, or some sort of definitive statement other than, well, look, who are you going to believe? You know, or uh, just dismissing it, uh, accusations as ludicrous. I, and to me, it just, it, it reminds me of, <clears throat> okay. So I guess what you, I'm saying. When you, when you have a politician or a preacher or something who's like, I'm, you know, they're, they're, they're very anti-gay, blah, blah, blah. And they, no matter what, you could be talking about any type of subject and they bring up gay somehow. And you're like, after, after a point, you're like, you know what? You think more about gay people than gay people do. Is there something you want to, you want to share with the class? <laughs> You know, that's how it was about Russia before, even before the election with me. I'm like, why the fuck is he bringing up Russia all the time? Yeah. And then going, I'm tired of talking about Russia. Well, then Gay! stop bringing it up, motherfucker. It's, you know, if every time we talked about, if every time I got on this podcast, I talked about, you know, interracial dwarf sex, he would eventually be like, wow. you know, maybe first just to Chris, like, is there something that he's trying to tell us? Because that's not the subject that he... You know, so how was the weather today? I don't know, but I saw this interracial dwarf sex video. Oh my god, <laughs> that cloud you makes know? me want to fuck a black midget. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, eventually you're going to go, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And that's what I'm saying. It's... And it, it, it just not, it's not sitting well with me. Right. It's not sitting well with me. None, it's, of, our, our, none of our international relationships are looking too hot. And no. Trump hasn't even... Canada's still we're still boys of Canada, right? They're still our just they're still our quiet neighbor upstairs. You don't bother nobody. Canada's just like please don't drink. Canada's like the the friend in the group who isn't really tough, and you got a bunch of loud mouths who are walking around like, like what that motherfucker say? We'll kick your ass. And Canada's like please don't do that. I don't want to fight today. Yeah, just come on. Let's just, we got, it's, he's like the, he's like the beginning of Goodwill Hunting. Come on, we got snacks. If we were going to kick their ass, we should have kicked their ass at the park. Let's eat the snacks. You get out, and America's like Ben Affleck, get out the car, I'm kicking your ass next. <laughs> and Canada's like, fuck. All right. It's, it's, Canada don't want none of this bullshit. Well, they got their own fucking problems. I, Canada's a big trade partner, almost as much as China is. That's the one I'm concerned about now. On top of Russia, we've we owe got, China a lot of money, and there's a lot of them. And while China played it cool at first, and was like, "Oh, hey, oh, you called Taiwan? Oh, that's cool. How are they?" Yeah. See, I'm, in, right. a, I'm in a crazy paranoid mood because right. I followed up Mr. Robot with the, the man in the high castle. <laughs> right. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and that was all that was said. And then a week later, oh, you need to get oh, back to work. These Chris. missiles, know, right? these missiles on the boats there. Oh no! We're just oh, putting these. Mis- we're just got, storing them. We've got a lot of them. We're we've got two, we don't have enough storage here. I don't know if you notice this. Our population's still booming. It's our new water storage plan. We're where building we store a lot. Them we in just, proximity to your shores. Right. We just need to put them over here. No, it just happens to be closer to Taiwan. That's what I'm saying. Keeping an eye on Russia. China's gonna fucking. That's what I'm saying China knows how to talk a respectful game. And still make their point known by their actions. I had a I had a history teacher years ago. Obviously, it's been years since I've been in a classroom. Who, uh, when we were talking about China, <clears throat> he brought up a good point. He's like, you have to understand that we're very much immersed in Western culture, and we have Western outlooks towards things. China is not. China has. Uh, uh, their culture and the culture that they're immersed in has a mindset that thinks not for the next 50 years, but they think the next 500 years. I mean this in the least pejorative way possible. They're like fucking ants. Like, man. The the way the culture is. is (laughs) Just the way that... They're they have for... They're they're not thinking about today. If today's happening to them, it's our... Today is the fucking... Like, in the USA, we love, hey, live in the moment, live for today. Yeah, China, fucking today is done, today is over, today is dead to them. It's about what Richard's saying. It's, they're very pragmatic. Well, I, I think it, it's definitely built into the culture that your responsibility is to take care of the ones who came before you and are yet to come. Mm-hmm. So you, you have responsibility to both. You don't have time to live in the moment. You, yeah. can, you can live in your moment... When you successfully raise your kids, they get a nice job and take care of you. And then you get to live in the moment. Yes. Well, I, honestly, if I'm China, I'm sitting back and I'm just, I'm just eating my popcorn watching us. 
Yeah. This is great. They're this is this is better about, than reality television. They're not concerned about what we owe them. They're sitting there just watching that vig pile up with their with their bucket of popcorn. And on top of that, they're looking at it going, they're tearing each other apart from we the inside. Too much TV. Over culture. We don't even we don't even need to fire a shot. This story goes just, all the way back to like Aesop's fables and shit. The tortoise yeah. and the hare, man. And the grasshopper. Yeah, just, yeah exactly. You, you know, see, just let them we're destroy the fucking grasshopper. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's a very good... Cause, okay, so that redeems your analogy. In this case, the, China's the ant. We're the grasshopper. I guess that's kind of what I was getting at with yes. it. Yeah. You should have led with that. But, <laughs> okay, but wasn't it, wasn't it uh, Stalin? Or was it... Yeah, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. Who, whoever took his shoe off and banged it on the table at the UN it, that when the Cold War was just, you know... Heating up, ironically, and when, when it was the lukewarm war, yeah. And he said, he said, you know, it, when he did that famous address or whatever of the, of the United Nations, he also said, "We'll take over your country, and never fire a shot." Well, it's, it's you know, cool. it's not Russia as we knew it then that's doing that, but there was every other country that's part of the UN sitting there listening to that, and like it or not. When you're number one, no matter how friendly you are with people below you, two, three, four, five, six, as far as world power goes, they still don't like you. I mean, there is not like a universal, we are not beloved around the world. My kindness for weakness. And I I don't think a lot of people understand that until they travel. You as an individual might go to another country and feel very welcome. But America as a country, as an empire, is how we're looked at and it talked about in the open in foreign news markets. They have no love for us. They're just waiting for us to just destroy ourselves from the inside out. That's 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 not it's not it's not even up for debate. Well, it's and, they're not gonna have to wait. Which I, I'm of the theory that 2016 is the year we saw the fires lit in Rome. Quite honestly, man, like we'll be dead you know soon, sc- gentlemen. It's all right. <laughs> you know what's you know what's really scary is Frank Luntz, political Republican political strategist. Oh, yeah. um, Vice did a, and yes, I know it's Vice, but it, it's the uh, I can't remember the the guy's name. The the guy with the beard and the short haircut and the gray hair. It was his special, and it was on okay. the main guy. The main, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, the main he, Vice guy. I forget his name. Yeah, he's older. He's probably got like 10, 15 years on me and Aaron. So Hips are make tight pants. Um, but he, you know, the Vice did a special on how divided we are and where it started. And they, and they, and they, they started on the premise that when Obama went into office is when this just stalemate and button heads between the parties really started. And <clears throat> anyways, Frank Luntz, you know, they, they go through the whole history of it. They show how Boehner was actually having secret meetings with Obama because his own party was refusing to talk to Obama. And he was like, look, we can't shut the government down. That's not a good thing. And they were like, if you don't do it, we'll find someone to do it for us. That's what Republicans told Boehner. So Boehner was like, I'll go along with it, but was secretly meeting with Obama trying to figure out a way to get this shit back running. And I mean, it. it it, it, it was really interesting, and at the end, 
the interviewer that he asked uh, Frank Luntz, he goes, so what are you going to do? Or what do you think? And he goes, I think this is the beginning of the end. He goes, that's not hyperbole. It's, it's what I really think. And after the first of the year, I'm moving to New Zealand. I've already bought 15 acres, and I'm moving there. And Did he really say that? Yes. Man, I'm fucking yeah. kidding me. I'll play devil's advocate, though. You could argue that that was pushed back from the W years. Uh, when, because if you recall, the government also shut down during W's uh, tenure too, and it was the situation reversed. It was the Democrats holding everything up. So I mean, you could argue it, it's all, it's it, it, it all just it all boils out. It all of it is just a giant dick measuring contest. But the interesting part was he said before 2010 when the Tea Party people got elected, and then again in 2012. Um, and in 2014, he goes, the Tea Party people come in, and a lot of these people had never been in politics before. And if they had, it was at such a small level that they got in here, and they just thought, if we dig our heels in and we say no to everything, that's, that's how we're going to get our way. And there was, uh, there was, even though, Chris, you pointed out, yes, before, there has been, you know, uh, uh, almost a... A moratorium against reaching across, moratorium is the proper word, of reaching across the aisle to yes. the other party. Um, that this was this wasn't even that. This was we are the new Republican. We are the new Republican Party. We are the Tea Party, and we will destroy anybody in the Democratic Party in our own party who doesn't toe the line with what we say. And that's what Frank Luntz was like. I, right now, there is no political discourse anymore. There is no discussion. It is either you're on the left or you're on the right and you're sworn enemies. There is no compromise coming from either side. And he was, and that's when they went into, well, what are you going to do? What are your plans? And he, like I said, get an HBO now or, or go log in, watch it. It's only an hour long. But when he was like, <laughs> I already bought property in New Zealand. I was like, you got to be shitting me. Uh, yeah, I've got, I'm looking at an article on the uh, Hollywood Reporter about this story. He says, we fucked up. We killed the goose that laid the golden egg. Yeah, and he talks about the Roman Empire, uh, uh, the British Empire, you know, and all these different empires, and he lumps us in there with them. And to be honest with you, I was a, m a member of the Musicians Forum you know, 20 years ago, a little bit, I meant a little bit less than 20 years ago, and would talk to people all over the world, and the people, this this is what they were saying, they're like, you realize you're the modern day Roman Empire, right? And your end is coming sooner rather than later. You, after World War II, you stepped in and spread yourselves too thin, and you're trying to keep way too, you don't have enough fingers to keep them in all the pies. Yeah. And 9-11 happened while I was on that forum, and it was... There was from people across, you know, the world who weren't American, there wasn't a whole lot of sympathy towards us. There was a lot of, we're sorry that these innocent people died. They should have taken out the Pentagon and the White House. They shouldn't have taken out, you know, the World Trade Center. But this is chickens coming home to roost. They're mad because we're back-to-back -back World War champs. At a certain point, if if 
all your neighbors are assholes and they're all quote unquote out to get you, then maybe the problem is you. Exactly. Yes. You know what I mean? The, it, Dr. Drew said something that has always stuck with me. And even though I'm not his biggest fan, this rings true to me. The common thread in all your failed relationships is you. Yeah. And that's the last place people look at most of the time. Yep. And that's and that is right there. You know, I wrote a very long, I guess, opinion piece the day after the election and posted it, and a few people shared it, and some people came in talking. And one of the things I said is, losers constantly look for other people to blame when they lose. Winners get over the loss, regroup, look at what they did, adjust their actions, behavior, game plan, and move forward. If you're constantly looking for other people to point the finger at, you're never going to better yourself. And I, I really feel it's like it's all we it's all we do. We can never be wrong. We're never the bad guy. We won't admit it. I mean, no matter what we get caught doing, Abu Ghraib, you know, uh, uh, Guantanamo Bay, which still open all, eight years later, bombs you know, about to be done. Uh, enhanced interrogation, aka torture. You know, we do all these things. The the Patriot Act. You know, basically throwing habeas corpus out the fucking window. We do these things, and they we're we're so fucking up our own ass with this nationalist pride bullshit that if you even go, maybe we shouldn't do that. Let's let's aspire to be the a better country than what we are. You're un-American for saying that because you don't yeah. love America for what it is. No, I, I was just thinking that like the conversation that we've been having for the last half hour feels really well. Not feels un-American, but could be taken as very un-American. And I really... I, I can take care of that with production. <laughs> <laughs> Put Lee Greenwood behind us. I'm not just being defensive. Like, I really don't believe that it is. We wouldn't be having this conversation. I think, frankly, no pun intended, Frank Luntz's comments about moving down, that's un-American. And you can... Right or wrong, like he's clearly on America. He's moving away out of America. Like it doesn't get a whole lot more un-American than that. Well, unless I mean, that's kind of where, to attack us. I mean, but that's kind of where my little my little ugly nationalist side shows up. And I go, all right, man, peace, good luck. Yeah, yeah, you that's know, fine. At least you're putting your money where your mouth is. It's a free country it's, in you know, many ways. You're free to leave too. Yeah. But yeah, I don't feel like we're having an un-American conversation. This is a conversation out of concern of where. Especially, like, I don't know. It's frustrating seeing uh, seeing a country on... I'm not saying that Obama was, like, doing everything right. But if you just take some base measurements of our economy and our relationships in the world in general, uh, yeah, we were heading in the right direction in a lot of ways. We were regressing on race for some reason. Here's the thing. But now we seem to be regressing economy, on everything. Everybody forgets about. What's it? It's a little secret, and I'm going to whisper it. Yes. It's cyclical. It doesn't matter who's in charge. <laughs> also true. But there are things... I mean, if you ruin our trade relationships, then there are things that you can do well, that yes, can affect that in major ways. You can crash the plane into the mountain. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I could agree there. 
But a lot of times, like, my prime example is always Billy Jeff. But that doesn't mean that a president shouldn't get any credit for stabilizing something so that it can uh, naturally rise when it should. Because there's, it, there's something to be said for not putting up roadblocks to, uh, to the economy. And that's, that's what I fear that Donald Trump that's, is going to do. I guess you can affect it on different levels, good or bad, but I don't think there's... A lot of people have this like, kind of thing built up in their fantasy world that there's just a button that says economy and the president in the blue tie yeah. chooses to move it in a good direction and the president in the red right. tie chooses to move it in the bad direction. No! With the sub-dial, like, number of jobs created, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. another couple hundred on the dial tonight. Yeah. Well, if someone were to listen to our conversation and go, well, these guys, and, you know, say, well, I feel these guys are being un-American, the only thing I can say is... I mean, I can say a few things. This conversation is one of the most American things we can do. One of them being, I don't really give a fuck what you think. That's the point of America. We're allowed to express ourselves. Um, But besides uh, taking an uh, uh, adversarial and acerbic tone to it, I can say this. When you love something, you see it for all its good and all its flaws. And you want... You know, whether it be a person, uh, your job, your car, right. whatever, if you want to improve what's wrong with it. You well, it's not. You a, don't I don't want it to. It's... You don't want it to, to to go until it breaks down and then try to fix it. You want to try to be proactive in it. You and want so, it to make the right decisions. Yeah, right? I if mean, you, if your loved one's health is failing, you just go. Well, that's their decision. No, you actively take interest in getting them healthy and keeping them healthy exactly exactly you know and it's it's once again it's rough because there are are quite a number of people that anytime you say anything but usa number one and all this shit they they automatically want to paint you into a corner as un-american if you know, if you don't love it, leave it, and all this nonsense. And then there's people on the other side that you say, "Look, I love my country, and I want us to do better." And they go, "Oh my God, you nationalistic, simple-minded fuck!" Yeah, and no, yeah. And and these are the two. Once again, these are the two loudest voices in the crowd. Well, I was, you know, I was also painted as in my uh, in my marriage. I was painted as unromantic because I didn't use. Uh, well, terms like uh, perfect, right? The, when the when the idea of like this is, our marriage is perfect, nothing's perfect. If you enter a relationship with somebody because you believe that they are perfect in every way, you are just deluded mm-hmm. and setting yourself up for some kind of crazy heartbreak when you realize that this person isn't indeed perfect because nobody is, and it's. It, yeah, it's it's more about finding somebody that means enough to you that you do take active interest in their health, their well-being, their safety. And that involves, you know, not just looking after somebody or or uh or staying with them, but if somebody's making the wrong decision, like if your spouse is an alcoholic, are you just going to let this one ride out? 
Or are you going to wait until they crash their car and kill themselves or somebody else? But and and and, and while well, I get you know your analogy there, yeah. There's also the reality of the fact that you can't help someone that doesn't want any help, and so all you can do after if you're once outnumbered, you've, yeah. Once you've once you've done your best to help somebody, and they reject you every single time, then what you the only thing you can do, especially when it comes to like an you know an alcoholic or an addict, is go. Well, I hope your bottom isn't complete destruction, and I hope you hit bottom soon, and decide you want help that way we can start working to get you better because you can't force someone to do something. I've seen it multiple times. People, you know, try to force their husband or wives or son or, or, you know, parents into rehab and they, you know, they go and they do their little 28 days and they get out and then there's, you know, they hit the liquor store and they're, they're secretly drinking and, you know, or, or, you know, they're copping on the side and, and right. I, um, and I feel like that's what this, I feel like that's what America's doing, but they're not even secret, secret really drinking. America's just getting drunk right in your face going, I dare you to do something about it. Well, yeah, but right. you know what never works is, is berating somebody. I can't believe you're so stupid as to be an alcoholic, get fucked up again, try it and works. ruin your life this way. The, well, the it works for, it works for, get that memo because it, it, it works for a split second on some people. The guilt kicks in, but then the resentment kicks in, and they hold on to the resentment longer, and they forget what the guilt is, and they're like, fuck you. And then you get President Trump. Exactly. No, that's... There's a lot of... It's a word I throw around a lot. Entitlement has crossed over, too, what we're talking about with the free speech. A lot of people take for granted this thing that... The fact that we can do a podcast like this. The fact that you can voice all your crazy anti establishment government opinions freely on social media and your door's not going to be kicked in while you're sleeping like it's i know it's an old trope to fall back on but i think so a lot of the the younger people live it's i mean that's all we've known that's all they've known but I, maybe we had a little bit more context on it maybe because we had maybe fathers uncles grandfathers who actually fought in the world war or something like that i don't know yeah I think I think well, Chris, you and I have had a discussion with a person who seems to think that no matter what they say, there should there should they, it should be consequence free. And if there's any consequence for what they say, then it's not freedom of speech. That's not how freedom of speech works. And no matter how many times we tried to get through to this person, is the government stopping you from saying what you want to say? No. Is are, are you are you being threatened with death, imprisonment, fines for saying what you want to say? Right. No. That's what. Okay. Yeah. When people That's talk about like I'm being censored on on Facebook. Yeah, you're being censored by Facebook, not by the government. The exactly. government yeah, didn't tell Facebook and, they couldn't post that. And you know what you do? You do what the you do what uh, Milo Yiannopoulos and the the, the so called alt right Twitter trolls did when they got banned from Twitter. They started. A, a basically a copy of Twitter of their own. That's right. We'll start our own Twitter with blackjack and hookers <laughs> <laughs> and and pie and punch and pie. <laughs> but I, that's, that's I think Bender should be the the mascot for the alt right. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, yeah. don't ruin Bender. I love Bender. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, come on, he's lovable, Pepe. but you got to admit he's an asshole. Oh, he's great. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's something that, and it's not just that's not just the person that Chris and I were talking to. It's oh, it's just like what, to to call back to what I was talking about earlier. A friend of mine's daughter, who you know, I don't understand why when I tell you when I stand up and, and proclaim my gender and and my sexuality, why you have to tell me it's made up? Well, why do you have to tell me your gender and your sexuality? <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, if 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 okay, because you like might right address now them on, on social media, there's a thing going around where they have pictures of really fucked up looking people, and they say, "Have you seen Matt? Tag him so I can find him." And then people will tag their friends and their name Matt or Dave or Alice or Amber or whatever. And now there's like this backlash to it. Like, this is mean. These are fucking people sometimes who have birth defects that they can't help. Yes, it is mean. And I, and I haven't taken part in it, but I will say this. There's a difference between someone who is born with a birth defect and can't help it and someone who's 400 pounds posing in a thong with mistletoe hanging out of their fucking mouth with a come-hither look on. That person was screaming for attention. Now they're getting it. Okay, the person that was born with some sort of birth defect, they can't help it. What are they supposed to do? Never should, never take it, never step in front of a camera, never walk out into the light of day? No. But the but a guy who's built like me trying to, you know, take like sexy shots, if I did that, I would expect to to have people laugh and point and go, "What the fuck are you thinking?" That's the thing. There are repercussions. And it's just across the board. Oh, this is wrong. No, it's not. Seriously, let's be honest here. It's like a chick who has, you go to her social media page, it's nothing but selfies and half-nude pictures, and then someone goes, you're an attention whore, and she gets offended. Bitch, what are you offended about? You knew what you looked like when you fucking took that picture. I don't hear anyone defending these American Idol contestants that they run in the first couple episodes that are just absolutely horrible. There's no reason... To run any of the people who can't sing garbage other than to make fun of them. Right? Exactly. Well, what, what's garbage. it going to take? Somebody, somebody's going to kill themselves after being on American Idol. Garbage. And, and, th- and think about it. Think about it. When, uh, oh, who was the She Bangs guy? <laughs> the best drop ever. <laughs> are, are you playing them the garbage ones? Yes, Aaron, Aaron has been enjoying them as well. <laughs> Who is the She Bangs guy? Uh, uh, Hung. William Hung. Okay, thank you. All right, now, when he got on there, it was obvious homeboy is somewhere on the spectrum. It's just, it's painful. it was painfully what obvious. What is this for him? It could and, just be really bad in English, quite honestly. <laughs> like, no, he had some socialization issues. What are we talking issues. about? This guy, man. William oh, Hung from oh, yeah, uh, American yeah. Idol. The She Bangs, She Bangs. Oh, okay. yes. Okay, I remember. Okay. We have found and obviously, he wasn't getting past that audition. And they let him down easy. All right. I mean, even even Simon didn't didn't run into him. A guy like him, I can forgive. Okay, he because he probably is not you aware. Think wrong with him, or he's not a, just, I mean, he's definitely awkward and weird, but but I could I could forgive him for it because he's not. I don't think he's aware of how he's coming off. I don't think he's, most people aren't. Well, what okay, happened if that's, it's the guy that gets on there that can't sing, that knows he can't sing, and wants to argue about it and say, well, oh, but some people just can't hear themselves. Maybe he's just not self-aware. 
And Which torn. would fall somewhere I mean, on the spectrum, I'm, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if okay, let's be honest. Okay, if a kid with Down syndrome got up there and sang, and he was off key and horrible, you, they wouldn't savage him. No, as if some guy come in there, you, you are correct, and cocky. And obviously, just delusional about. But that's himself. wrong because they were born with that horrible voice in those tinny in the tinny ears. They can't. <laughs> reminds me. Did you hear? They did, can't help that they're horrible singers and performers. Did, did you hear the deaf rat guy singing "Silent Night"? Oh yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> the what? There's a character that a, there's a writer. This guy named Josh Gardner, and he comes on Adam Carolla's show, and there's a character he has called the deaf rat guy, and they just had him like it was straight up. It, they had him doing a version of Silent Night, and it was just like if a deaf person tried to sing Silent well, Night. Yeah, it was I mean, funny for all the wrong reasons, but it was fucking hilarious. It is so it's wrong. Like, okay. <laughs> like the, uh, speaking of wrong, I uh, I watched a story today about it was total clickbait, but I had to see it. Two babies, uh, two uh, twins that were born conjoined at the head. Right, end to end. I don't even know how they. I mean, it was probably good coming out for the mother, but I don't know how they fit in there in the first place in that in that fashion. So they had thankfully an operation to separate them. They're both doing really healthy, look good. These little like I don't know. They were they weren't that small, but they were probably under six months old. And they're sitting in the same crib together, and the mom and dad are being interviewed, and the dad's talking about, like, they're still, like, all over each other. Like, every time I come in the room, they're holding the hands, their legs are interlocked. He's like, he says they they share a real connection. <laughs> it's like, ah! not anymore they don't. <laughs> He's a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> dipshit like you didn't need to think about that before you said it I don't know some news, either, either, some news producer thought they were being snarky here read this <laughs> would you well, say that, that they or, had a real connection <laughs> either that or he's the type of guy that he's he's got just such a, a, a dark sense of humor that he just thought it was funny he didn't there was, he was saying it very earnestly I don't believe that oh. he was uh, yeah that there was any I mean, humor humor in, intended. I mean, dude, I, you know, I, I I don't think I've ever told this story, but you know, after my mom died, we had to wake at the uh, the VFW where she had worked, and uh, um, you know, this is after the smoking ban, so <laughs> we had to you know everybody get up and and talk a little bit about her, and then we had the gathering afterwards, and there was food and stuff, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go outside get a cigarette, and like four or five of my friends followed me out, and. Uh, one of my buddies were out there for 10 minutes, three minutes into being out there. He whips out his phone. He goes, hey, check this out. And he starts showing us a picture of him pissing on his fucking wife in the, in the bathtub from the night before. We are at a funeral, sir. Here's the thing. We all died laughing. We thought the shit was hilarious. I didn't realize people were, were still filing in. <laughs> and they heard what we were saying, and they were like, oh, my God. And, you know. For whatever reason, it, it didn't come down on me. It came down, I can't believe his, his friend is out there showing that picture. And it's and when I told that story to my friends that weren't there, they said, Rich, if that was 99% of other people I know, I would, I would be, like, horrified. But because it's you, and I knew how your mom was on top of it, 
I think it's kind of funny. I'm like, see, it's all, it's all context. It, it, you have to know your room, play to the room. And that played yeah. well at that moment. Yes, you're on some R. <laughs> Kelly and went about your yeah, day, right? Funerals are so tricky. Yeah, that reminds me of a funeral that I went to when I was in high school. And, uh, fr- well, friend of mine, friend of a friend, like my best friend's sister's best friend. <laughs> so her, lost her father. And we went to the the funeral with her, and something between like something that I had said to my friend or something that we were doing cracked her up, and we weren't like just all goofing around or something. It was just like an offhand comment that just kind of came out. We both definitely had black senses of humor, and she couldn't stop laughing. The, the young girl who had lost her father and like got a lot of shitty looks from the family of like what the fuck you you know you're cracking and we were getting too like we were responsible we're cracking her up at her dad's funeral and but you know <clears throat> what was important was that afterwards she said to all of us like I couldn't have got through this day if it wasn't for you guys like obviously you know I have to be here for my family and and I'm thankful to have them, but I couldn't have stood through that funeral if it wasn't for you guys there on my side. Yeah. So sometimes you also have to say, fuck the room. And funerals give you that opportunity. Oh, yeah, last funeral I was at, well, I think it's the last funeral I was at, I don't know. If you get older, they tend to increase frequency. But it's uh, my buddy's dad just had a heart attack on his way to work, and yeah. that's it. But uh, we were getting hammered in the <laughs> yeah. parking lot. Oh, I, I, I got many kinda, funeral stories. I got many funeral stories like that. Oh, but I mean, that's the kind of like this kind of dude that would be offended if you weren't drinking a beer in the parking lot at his funeral. Like, oh, yeah. I hate to say it, but some of the best sex I ever got was always in conjunction with somebody dying oh. at some point. You fucking it's, crashing funerals, man? No, no, no not no, like that. Hey. Not like that. I'm just hey, saying, hey. like... He's uh he's JD with Tasty Coma Wife. Oh yeah 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 that's true. <laughs> he's 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 got her in the closet at the funeral home, just hitting it wheelbarrow style. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would wait for I, not getting freaky at the funeral funeral home. <laughs> well, you know, a buddy of mine's uncle died, and he was a huge you know he was a very. He was a very stereotypical masculine guy. He was in sports. He drank beer. He liked to go to bars. He partied. He, you know, he tried marriage and family. Didn't work for him. Got divorced. Stayed single and had a lot of female companions over the years. So when he died, you know, they, they they're at the funeral home and it's all this, you know, okay, everybody's somber and all this. And then when we got to the to the action. <laughs> The actual graveyard. My buddy pops his trunk and pulls out a dirty 30 of bush light. Sets it right at the head, like where the headstone's going to be placed eventually. And just starts handing out beers. And we're all standing there like like the beginning of the king of the hill. Drinking beers around, you know, his freshly packed grave with him in it. And, I'm, you know, a couple people were like, oh my god. You know, what if the... 
well, what would he think? And they're like, he'd probably think all you brought was a 30-pack for everybody. Probably think, where's mine? Cheap yeah, bastard. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, it was, you know, that's exactly what he would have wanted. And I've already let it be known. I, I said, look, I, I've told friends and my ex-wife, who I'm still very much friendly with, so my wishes will be granted. When, when I go... The first person that gets up there and starts talking about, oh, he's with Jesus, just get them off the fucking, just, okay, you're done. You didn't, obviously, you didn't either know him or you're delusional. He was an asshole. Here's, you know, he didn't want us sitting around crying. He wanted us to fucking have a good time, tell some funny fucking stories, and get the fuck on with life. And he's not with Jesus. He's not with Satan. He's fucking dead. That's it. So... The only Jesus that better be mentioned at my funeral better have be a pot dealer. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, wakes are for, wakes and funerals are for the people who are left behind. They're not for the dead. And I have certain members of my family who view it as, like, it's very disrespectful of the dead if it's not a certain way. And it's like, look, they're dead. They don't fucking know. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Funerals are for the people that are left. Yeah. You know, here's here's the here's the the fucked up irony about dying. It's hardest on the people who didn't do it. Yep, that's all there is to it. I mean, once you go, it's that's it. You're done. There's no coming back. There's you know, no going popping up out the casket. Going psych. Gotcha. I was None playing. Yeah. Fuck, fuck that autopsy. Fuck the embalmment. Let's go. You know, it, no, it's none. It's for the people that are there. And they're the ones that are having the hardest time. Let them process it the way they fucking choose to process it. Yeah, or process the body how they choose to. Like, I'd prefer to be burned, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. I'd be buried in 82 <laughs> Mustang. I'm fired. No, I don't know. I'm gone. <laughs> It's up to you to decide exactly. what to do with you do, it. You do what you need to with my remains for your closure. Yes. No, what is it you I, said one time, Aaron? You killed me. You said you want to you want to have your body put on top of a lion, lit on fire, and have the lion run off the edge of, of a cliff. <laughs> yeah, <that's- laughs> We've done a lot of podcasts. I think you did say that. No, I think I was quoting Heather's. He said, I... Uh, there's the one stoner dude who says that he would shove dynamite up a lion's ass and like jump off a cliff riding its back or something like that. That might have been it. All I, all I know is I somehow I was like, that's kind of a weird, what is it, a modern day Viking funeral? <laughs> Viking funerals are pretty cool. That's how ballers die. <laughs> or ballers get buried. I got the last dinosaur egg. This shit is so baller. Yeah. What, that shit um, smell wild, son. There's a such thing as an uh, like an air burial. Um, what? Shit. Well, Do we have burials. We in the air. No, I forget what the the actual term for it is. Airbnb. <laughs> well, let me see if I can find it. You know, I have to say, if I had, if money was no issue, I it would be kind of cool. A sky burial. It'd be kind of cool to do what Hunter S. Thompson did, you know, pack his ashes in with fireworks and shoot the fireworks off, but it's already been done. But I think, honestly, if money was no issue, uh, send me up in, like, a space flight and just, like, throw my urn and let me just float through the fucking universe for all eternity. 
I'd be cool with that. Yeah, so a sky burial is, let's see, funeral practice in which a human corpse is placed on a mountaintop to decompose while exposed to the elements or to be eaten by scavenging animals, especially carrion birds. All right, so... It- I've seen this depicted in two comic books, one of them recently called Shipwreck by uh, Warren Ellis. And basically takes place over the whole issue where this man lays out this dead body on a mountaintop and proceeds to flay it, like rip the skin back with... Well, he doesn't rip it back. He cuts it back with a knife to leave the, the muscle tissue exposed so the birds can come. And I believe he said that when he was, when the birds were done with it and all that were left were bones, whatever bones would remain would be crushed into dust and then uh, scattered to the wind. I mean, ultimately, I, I, I don't care. I'm not around, but I'm going to tell you what if someone decides to do that with me, they better make damn sure I'm dead. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> like, yeah, I better not be in like some deep coma where I got like a heartbeat. Four times a minute, and they, I wake up, and you know they're they're skinning what, like me alive. Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, <laughs> and that like the the plot of that new movie that they're in the Passengers or whatever. It's like a nine hundred year space flight, and they wake up halfway into it or something. Well, as oh God, as burials suck. go, you know I like the idea of cremation because there's you're not taking up space, you're not rotting, you're not. Maybe polluting somebody's water in the future. Exactly, yeah. But, it, but the sky burial is even more green, isn't it? I mean, you're not even burning anything. You're not even adding carbon to the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, a sky burial is birds. Like, I guess a sky burial is like uh, anal sex and abortion. It's green. Yeah. You're giving back to nature. Well, I've seen people, I, apparently on, there's buddy. something where you could be, they cremate you and they put your ashes into a, uh, like the base of a, of a small tree and you plant the tree. And so that you're cool. supposedly, it helps, your ashes help to fertilize the tree and the tree grows. So, I mean, there's, there's all types of different shit. I mean, honestly, I just don't spend a whole lot of money on me. Don't oh, you yeah. walk in there like, like, Biggie had a gold casket, Rich needs one. Fuck that. Get, <laughs> get a piece of pine. I'm going to leave a limited amount of funds for my burial when I'm dead. And uh, <laughs> Who would have known says make it work? Right, <laughs> yeah, no, don't, yeah don't, don't pity this amount and say, oh, we have to throw him a real shindig. Like, yeah, make it work. I'm not even, I'm not even joking. When my dad died, you know, my grandmother, his mother was... You know, she's still alive. Um, but she has Alzheimer's now. She didn't then, so she was a wreck. And so all his wishes went out the window, and she, it had to be what she wanted because that's her baby, her firstborn, etc. And I'm with my uncle, and we're going through the funeral home, and they're pricing everything out, and I'm sitting next to him. And all I have going through my head is that scene from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> Excuse me. Just What's this? Just because, yeah, uh, what's this? <laughs> Just because we're bereaved doesn't mean we're doesn't saps. Mean saps. <laughs> exactly. And it got to a point where my uncle, I could tell he was ready to blow his top, but he wasn't going to say anything. And I had just enough, I don't give a fuck, because I was pissed at my dad's wishes were being disrespected. 
that I just said, boy. Is there a rouse around cost, here? Cost a lot to bring a bring a child into this world. Cost a lot to send an adult out of this world. They fuck you coming and going, don't they? And the funeral director just, this was in Tennessee also, so I'm sure they're not used to the, that type of, you Yankees come down here with your uppity ideas and all that shit. But I was just like, this is fucking ridiculous. I mean, it was five figures. Whoa. And, For yeah. What? And and get this, and he's buried in a VA cemetery, so Whoa. they didn't even have to pay for the plot. Damn. And I'm just like, that is, this is a man who died penniless. This is ridiculous. This is not what he wanted. He did not want his family to go into debt for his funeral, but because my family's from down south and they got that, you know, the oldest is the head of the family, whether if it's you know male or your male male or female doesn't matter. Their wishes have to be respected above all else. That's what he got. So yeah, yeah, but like my fear is being a burden, and certainly after I'm gone, I would hate to be a burden then when I couldn't even do anything about it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, Rich, you had mentioned um, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of this story. I think I was, I mean, did I bring this up last week or was I talking to you about this on the Weedsman? Stop me if you've heard this one before, Rich. Okay. There's this uh, experimental treatment that was done on rats. I don't believe so. I don't believe we talked about this. Okay. So there's this thing. Let's start with the gamma. um, I don't know what you call it. The gamma pulse. The gamma, the gamma frequency in the brain, right? Talking about the Credible Hulk? No, I'm talking about... I don't know why they call it gamma, but it's basically this pulse that happens. I believe it was 400 times a second, right? When our, there's a lot of activity that goes on in our brains, and while a lot of it has to sync up to make things like memory work, uh, some of them are just automatic functions, and there's a lot of background processes going on, right? But just like your computer, when you need to like do something like, let's say, for example, I'm going to bounce this session down, the computer uses all of its processing power to do this task because this is one concentrated task that it has to like really focus on. And when you're really focused on something, the, all of your neurons are firing in your brain at, in sync. And that's what they call the, this gamma frequency. So if you're like really concentrated on a, like a movie or a book that you're reading, you're playing an instrument, you're really engaged in conversation, you're doing a podcast like we are now, <clears throat> you have that gamma sync. And they believe that that's what they don't see that in, in Alzheimer's patients, that same sinking of the brain waves. And they believe that's what's missing is the ability to actually take all these random firings of things in your brain and sync them up to make them into something that that is a competent brain, basically. Mm-hmm. So, in order to study this with rats, they first drilled a tiny hole in their head and just put a, a, a little electrical... Uh, wire in there and gave him a, a little pulse at that gamma frequency of 400 beats per second just to see if they could 
jumpstart. And they had this certain memory test that I'm not going to go into now, where they would remember certain things and then forget them. And they seemed to get their, their memory and their brain power back just from having this pulse introduced. And then they said, well, maybe we can even do this without putting a wire in your brain, <laughs> which would be nice. And so they just let them sit in a room where the light beat at on and off 400 times a second at a frequency that while you don't notice the light turning on and off because it happens so fast, you still... It's like watching a movie, a video online that's at a different frame rate. It doesn't necessarily stutter. It's just... You know what I mean? You can kind of see the, the flicker. Mm -hmm. Like right now? Right now? I'm trying to pay attention to two things. <laughs> My personal brain. And they found the same results happen when they just let them sit in this room. That their, their gamma uh, frequency in their brain was stimulated. And their, uh, they regained mental capacity that they had lost kind of interesting like we could possibly fight Alzheimer's just by wearing a, a virtual reality helmet that pulse light what about Parkinson's don't they kind of come from the same well area of the brain as far as that's affected you know I, can we help out Michael J. Fox I dare say I mean certainly I'm not a doctor at least not when I'm uh, don't when I'm not playing the bass, but um, <laughs> I'm a doctor on the bass for sure. But I believe Parkinson's has uh, more of a physical breakdown in the brain, where Alzheimer's yeah, nervous system, right? But Alzheimer's is a disorder, and that's why we have such a hard time treating it because we don't see, we don't. We don't see any physical results in the brain necessarily that point to like, oh, here's your Alzheimer's right here. You know, you have a tumor, you have a, 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 a blood vessel rupture in your brain or something. They can show you that on an x-ray. You have brain damage, concussion. But Alzheimer's, your brain looks the same as normal unless they do an uh, a actual scan, what do they call it, when they scan the electro, they uh, read the electrical activity in your brain. They can get different readings there, and that's why and that's where they're seeing the, the lack of that brain sinking gamma frequency. But no one's turning green. Also, read a story about uh, age reversal on rats too. So hey, things are looking good. At, age at reversal. The, uh, of, there you go. Of possibly never leaving this planet. Well, we only got to make it till I think it was mm -hmm. 2028 for the singularity. Maybe the only... According to your boy, Ray Kurzweil. The only funeral that we're going to have to worry about is the ones that we stage in order to free ourselves of debt when we move to Mars with our new robot bodies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a funeral for our meat husks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My carbon-based body has outlived its use. Yes, and finally fulfill my life's destiny as identifying as a Martian. <laughs> you know, people joke about it, but I'll be honest with you. I don't have a whole lot of family. And as long as I had uh, like uh, an unlimited library of books and movies and music at my fingertips, I'd be more than happy to like 
if I could put my consciousness in a in a robot body and they shoot me off in a deep space never to come back, I'd be happy to do it. I'd at least, as long as there was an off button that was possible to reach, you know. Well, there has to be a destination. Well, it's kind of, you know what, it, it, it's almost like saying, okay, you can either die at this age, you know, 86 years old, right? You're going to die of cancer, or there's a cure, but you have to spend the rest of your life alone in a room and can't interact with other people in the same way. Oh, that sounds... I would, <laughs> I say, like I would say, yes, I'll take the room as long as it comes with a gun with one bullet in it. <laughs> so you always have that option. Yes. You're, 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 you're basically, you'd quote Hunter S. Thompson, you'd feel real trapped in this life if you didn't know suicide was an option. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have my cake and eat it too. Well, this is one of our sunniest shows. <laughs> yeah, but a good portion on death, how we're all stupid, how we'd like to see at our funerals. We have real, Where's we got real talk today, kids? You know, all this turmoil is supposed to be good for art, right? Is it Christmas time? Are we supposed to be happy? And and <laughs> comedy and parody are are two arts that tend to really flourish, especially in, in political turmoil times. Where's we need to see some more black comedy. There's more comedy out there than ever, but I don't see there's too much goofy, there's too much wacky. I'm not anti-slapstick. Well, the problem like, is there's a generation coming up that irony and context are lost on, so where's, if you're looking for black comedy from the young people yeah. that are coming up, good luck. Who's going to make the next Wag the Dog? No one. If you make a movie like someone that, our age or older, it's too serious. It, you have to make it. You have to take it very seriously. The answer to your question is someone over forty, or you have to, you know, be the South Park guys and put fart jokes in it, so that people will go see it. I'm not dissing. Well, could you imagine if they tried to make a movie like Network nowadays? Like I don't even. I couldn't even begin to tell you, or begin to imagine where they would start. Because, I mean, you guys have, <clears throat> Aaron, I'm assuming you've seen Network, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take yeah. it anymore. Not going to take it if anymore. If I'm not yeah. piping in, you know the answer on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> I penciled you in for a no. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, I, that was that was well, satire let's, let's that went over Chris people's in heads back then. Yeah, Network was a film about a newscaster who was fed up with it, with the the news that he was forced to report that he thought was bullshit. Basically, you know, typical type of, of uh, news story at first. The journalist wants to you know do stories that he thinks are important, and the uh, station wants them to concentrate on you know things that people want to hear about. And that's murder and celebrities. Well, he says... Sounds familiar. This guy loses his shit. On on a live broadcast on TV, proclaims that he's going to... uh, That he's mad as hell, and he's not going to take it anymore, which is... Seen this parody. Which is, uh, yeah, which becomes a catchphrase. And decides that, uh, you know... 
that nobody can take anything away from him, basically. The network can fire him. He doesn't give a fuck because he's going to kill himself. And if that's all you, care, if that's all you people care about is murder, then I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to prove how sick you are because you're all going to watch me kill myself on, on, on live TV and set the date for it. It's like Jim and Morrison. You want some death? So I'll give you some death. People rally to it. They start chanting that they're mad as we're not mad as hell. And we're not going to take it anymore. And everybody's watching his show and raving. And he realizes he has his platform. He's like, well, at least I can do some good before I go, right? And he, he rallies these people to his cause, and it gets out of control, and in very rich ways. That in I, you know. I honestly don't think that uh, people, if millennials watched Network, I don't think they would get the satire. They there was <clears throat> there was an article I just read from, uh, oh God, Slate, I think, um, talking about the... Uh, you found the 40th. shitty techno mix. <laughs> I always seem to find the <laughs> shitty techno mix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about the 40th anniversary of that movie, and they were like, you know, Basically, I'm going to guess whoever wrote the article is some fall somewhere between they can identify with either Gen X or millennials. So they're probably close to like between Chris and, and, my, and my age. Um, but yeah, he brought up just what you said. He's like, this would go over the heads of a lot of people. A lot of people wouldn't wouldn't get what the, you know, the movie was trying to say. And what was considered shocking and outlandish then is just kind of like, uh, you know, yawn, meh. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they even had a subplot going through about, you know, reality TV. It just wasn't called that in that movie. And nowadays, that's half of the fucking, you know, programming on television. Right. Is reality. Well, so, yeah, and, and there was definitely an element of black humor to it as well and you know I, I was thinking I said earlier like where's the where's the black humor I, but you just can't get a movie made with any level of competent uh, black humor because well somebody's going to take it wrong you know somebody's going to be offended by what you say and they because they don't understand well, well yeah but it's a joke well, it doesn't matter if it's a joke. If somebody takes it the wrong way, sues for uh, some odd reason, or just gives us bad press. Irony and context are dead. Right. At least if yeah, you're So the young. black humor lives in, where it actually lives in, in my opinion, is like Louis C.K. He can talk about shit that people just don't talk about. They don't say the things they think about race and sex and shitting and, and being a parent that... Uh, the things that people don't want to admit and he says them and he laughs he says them about himself and laughs at himself and allows us to all to laugh at those qualities in ourselves. that's where that's the only place where black humor can live is by somebody who can go out on their own and has the power to you know in this case you know he's a uh he's basically a one-man army well no there's uh, right now i'm reading um uh, Doug Stanhope's book, and basically, it's the book is it's it's about his mother because his mother was 
Doug Samuels another very good example <laughs> of where black humor exists in the society. Oh yeah, he's great. His his mother was out there. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and when you know she was dying, she was like, "Okay, I've had enough." And she called him up, and they, him, and, and his wife picked her up, brought her to his house, and basically helped her commit assisted suicide. And through the whole thing, they're cracking jokes. You know, they're laughing, and the whole book is just nothing but black humor. And no subjects taboo. And there's, there's, uh, I guess it's, you'd call it underground, uh, like under there's underground comedy that, yeah. you know, it's it's there, but it's definitely, it's definitely not something you're going to see on Comedy Central. Even HBO, I mean, I, not to, mainstream is a, is a dirty word to a lot of people, but I would say that Louis C.K. is one of the more mainstream comics that, that deal with black humor. Yeah. Well, um, I just sent you guys a video, it's just a three minute video of one of the guys, it's from a, a documentary called The Unbookables, that uh, Stan Hope oh, right. <clears throat> produced, and the bit the guy does, it kills. And well, after he gets done, the owner of the the owner of the place, because they had another show booked for the next night, told him, "Don't even bother showing up." Yeah, it didn't. This doesn't fly in my place. And they're like, everybody was laughing. Are you kidding me? So that's what you kind of run into. You run into people who are so out of touch with reality that they can't look and see that they're, you know, an audience is enjoying something because they're personally offended by it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that in, in an age, in this golden age of television, this new golden age, everyone's willing to take chances when it comes to drama. And we've seen a lot of great television because of it. Uh, you know, especially a show like Mr. Robot is like the type of arty show that would have never gotten on on basic cable before, much less anywhere on the television. Probably would have never got made. It would have been some weird indie movie. If it was made in 1990, it'd be like, uh, have you seen Hardware? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like that. Or like, you know, only like 20,000 people ever saw it even. But anyway, there's a lot of chances being taken when it comes to drama. When it comes to comedy, we've regressed in a lot of ways and, and people take the safe ways out. Like animation is still really big. Um, sitcoms are still, I mean, uh, millions of people watch, uh, um, what's the science nerds show? The Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. That show was on its tenth season. Yeah, still going strong too, um, and it's a very—it's so sitcommy. Yeah, it's I didn't so, even know that so, show existed. So by the numbers, I didn't even know that show existed. That show, even, Two and a Half Men, and How I Met Your Mother. I didn't know those they, shows they existed until yeah. they hit syndication. <laughs> yeah, I was how like, I Met how, Your Mother was on for like eight or nine years right i literally was like i was dating a girl hold, hold, I'm like, hold on hold on least... let me finish my thought though oh <laughs> like, my bad i uh, and even the the premium channels that are taking some of the the crazier chances with uh, shows like westworld hbo is not really taking the big chances when it comes to comedy 
I mean, as much as I love Vice Principals, a solid foundation in slapstick and insult humor. Same thing with, uh, with girls. Sil- Silicon girls Valley. Can, girls can be really funny, but it's like, it's, you're not as edgy and groundbreaking as you think. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I had to stop watching the, the show. I, th- I think maybe season four it crawled up until that. When she left New York, I was like, not interested. She's just pretentious I and I can't stand her. I realized New York was the most interesting character in that show. That <laughs> I couldn't watch it anymore without her being I think in that My problem with Lena Dunham is I think Lena Dunham thinks she's cooler than she really is. Yeah. And I enjoy, I, you know, her, like I said, I, I watched the first three seasons. I enjoyed them. I watched her movie, uh, I think Tiny Houses. Maybe I'm getting the title wrong. It was very enjoyable. But... Yeah, I can also say that she is up her own ass. <clears throat> but what, wait, what was I getting at anyways? Oh, yeah, so everyone's taking chances with drama, but nobody wa- is willing to take these chances with comedy because comedy is a, the thing that really says to your face the truth that people don't yeah. want to hear, that there is racism, that there are dark thoughts in your head that there are fucked up things going out there in the world, and sometimes the only thing that you can do is laugh at it. And the old saying, comedy is time plus tragedy, or right. tragedy plus time, or fucking whatever. No, it's tragedy yeah, plus yeah. time. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Well, Eric Bogosian said he sees comedians, the best comedians at least, <clears throat> excuse me, as almost like, like witch doctors exercising these de- demons f- from our heads. Right. Like for us by by bringing them out into the light and pulling them out of us and then like and he's you know he's very philosophical about it and a little bit spiritual and it's like eh, you can get a little pretentious to listen to him talk about it but I get where he's coming from he's like you know the, a good comedian will pull it out from the crowd and channel it through himself and then put it out into the ether to where we, it's it's not it's it's not taboo it's not something we don't talk about it's something that that you laugh but now you got to think about it too. Right, and you know, and I believe this like, was in a documentary about uh, Lenny Bruce, and he said that's where he thought that Lenny Bruce let his bitterness and his anger towards what he was, you know, the persecution he was going through, went out, and where Lenny Bruce stopped being funny is when he started going on stage and literally reading court documents, <laughs> you know, and that's all he did. There was no joke. It was just, you know, I say the word cocksucker and motherfucker, and I'm locked up for your freedom. And you people are just sitting here. Yeah, but that, the joke was, don't. How can you not find this funny? Like the joke was to him, that was the like the shit writes itself, basically. Yeah, but I mean, and I understand like reality. The, <clears throat> reality will always be stranger than anything a comedian can come up with. And and I understand, and I mean, it's like okay, today is the fifteenth. Tomorrow would have been Bill Hicks' fifty fifth birthday. And I kind of agree with Doug Stanhope on this when people say, oh, he died an untimely death. How do you know? Maybe he was out of shit. <laughs> Jesus. You know? It's like, he's what like, you know. What does that mean? Like, as soon as he's out of material, he's got to leave the planet? He's like, would you really want to see a 70 year old Hendrix doing the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show with Madonna? <laughs> I'm a material uh, girl. Wow, wow. You can you know, always just retire. <laughs> you don't have to it, die. <laughs> I know, I know, but and, and the truth is, is that Bill Hicks, like, he would, he would, he would have certain oh. crowds turn so hostile towards him, yeah, and he would attack him. He just started yelling at him, and he, I mean, viciously. Like the one, the, the infamous one was when he was in Chicago 
And this drunk chick just kept screaming out, do this, do that. And he's like, I'm not a fucking jukebox. You don't stick a quarter in me and get a fucking act out of me. Okay. I got my routine. Shut up. If it, I'll get to it. And then she started like, you know, you're a piece of shit. And he just went off and he was like, oh my fucking God, where is the meteor? Kill them all. You had the right idea, Adolf. You just were an underachiever. And I mean, he just went the fuck <laughs> off. And I get that because when you're trying to do something that's not the Big Bang Theory, spoon-fed to you with a laugh track here, now you know it's funny because we have canned laughter to tell you. Yeah. This or, guy's not saying his catchphrase. Or you're not doing, you know, uh, uh, prop comedy or puppet comedy like Jeff Dunham or whatever yeah. the fuck. You know, yeah. it, it, some people, they ask what they want. They want Gallagher. And... A lot of comedians. Make me laugh, clown. A lot of comedians these days, I feel, the the better ones, they can't play where they used to play. They can't go to a college and play because, well, we've talked about it right. endlessly. That that's not the crowd for them anymore. They have to, it, they have to go back to these small, tiny, seventy well, seat clubs to do their shows anymore. You know, and these it, are guys that were selling out but, but, stadiums ten years ago. Rich, I want to I want to back up a little bit here, though, because. I personally am, I'm not making a judgment on like one type of comedy is better than the other. There's comedy that'll make you think and laugh at it. And then there's comedy that'll let you escape completely. And sometimes like ridiculous slapstick or just silly like, I mean, I don't watch Trailer Park Boys because it's comedy that makes me think about life. I watch it because they're just stupid idiots and, and it's funny to watch them stumble around and swear and get high. Yeah. And... And that's fine. It's not like there's a, a higher comedy and a lower comedy. But when you try to censor these people who you think of as like too edgy, and they're saying things that are politically incorrect, well, that's where all of your dark and, and introspective type of humor lives. And if you silence that, then all you're left with is a slapstick in the com in the uh, sitcom and the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I guess I am saying you're right. I I, I'm saying the I prefer one comedy. Sucks dick. I can't believe how many millions of people see that shit. <laughs> I, I, I definitely I'm not prefer trying to back up. Uh, what's his name? Jeff Dunham. Dunham. Jeff Dunham. I don't think I, I, are I they related. Lena Dunham. Probably not. Oh, I highly doubt that. No, he's from he's from Texas. She was a puppet that he made originally that came to life. <laughs> she wanted to be a real girl. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she was peanut one. <laughs> uh, the comedy the comedy that I like, what I like in comedy is is honesty. And when yeah. I watch a lot of comedians or I wa I listen to a lot of That's comedians podcasts or I watch sitcoms, I don't yeah. find a lot of honesty in a lot of it. That's why find, some acts like was, Richard Pryor's are, are timeless. Exactly. And i rather or a comedian... Bill Cosby, even. Uh, yeah, I, I hate to say it, yeah. because of what, you know, what, he's turned, what he's turned out to be, but the man... Oh, he's done, by the way, right? 60? Like, that's it? Have, have I mean, one bill? He's, he's... Is that where the tote board's at? It's 60. Uh, I heard that the other day. I was like, whoa. Oh, damn it, Bill. Well... well Come on. I, I mean, the thing is, is that the man, if you watch Bill Cosby himself, he's still a master storyteller, and it's funny, <laughs> and it's relatable. 
And just because someone has a horrible side to them doesn't mean that they can't be talented in another way. And that's that's yeah, kind I of another taboo in I'm, American I'm culture. I'm the conversation, though. You're right. But, well, but one of, you know, but yeah. I just don't. If I don't find if I don't see honesty in it, I to me it's like why am I wasting my time? Mm-hmm. It's like we know what the jokes are in the Big Bang Theory and Two and a Half Men. You know them before they say them. Exactly. You could almost write the jokes once you get the gist of the premise of of the episode. And it's you know like, what jokes are coming. Yeah, they're just listening to the same pop song over and over again. Like, here comes the chorus. You could fucking exactly. sing along with it. And I don't want... It's just like I... I sometimes I want to put on mindless music. That's good sometimes. Yeah, but again, a lot of time, I want to listen to music, music without expectations, without being able to go, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Same thing with comedy. I want it to take a hard left sometimes and go, holy shit, didn't see that coming. I want to be challenged. And I guess it's... That's where I have such an issue with so many people on a day-to-day basis because I don't see a lot of people who want to be challenged in, in anything, in well, any aspect of it, their life. Even in, in sitcom and, and network comedies and stuff like that, that used to be where we would see some of the edgier stuff. You could get away with implying certain sexual scenarios in, in a Friends episode that you couldn't on NYPD Blue because that's too racy. You know, we, oh, yeah. can't, we can't imply that there is a lesbian relationship going on, but hey, if it's like, you know, a one-liner and it implies, you know, the two girls with their nipples poking through their shirts through the whole episode getting it on, then uh, that's okay. Yeah. Because it's all in good fun. I mean, that's, and kids watch that, and that's, <sighs> yeah, this is, we can get off on a whole nother conversation because... The kids, the children. Oh, like the, the children. The idea that we, nothing can be on TV because kids can watch anything on TV. Yep. We should just go back to how it was. Right. And, and while we still have, like, Disney for... Won't somebody <laughs> please think of the children? For all the problems that I have with that, that company in general... They're doing a lot of things right, and one of them is continuing to make movies that have two levels of comedy in them, and done very well. Zootopia, perfect example. Zootopia is one of the few movies that I've seen recently with my kids that I did not at any point fall asleep in, in, in the middle of. <laughs> it's got that Jim Henson vibe to it. It's, it's yeah. jokes for mom and dad, and then yeah. jokes, and then shit Just like for the, the kids. good old days of the fucking Looney Tunes shit. You know, there's a little bit for everyone, and that's like you don't realize like while kids are curious yes there's a lot of things that get partitioned off into just oh, it's just adult shit whatever you know it doesn't if they don't get it they don't care it's not spoken to them in their language i don't know another thing that's going to suffer you know the big question seems like with this episode if we were to try and tie everything up is Who's going to live longer, us or America? <laughs> Are we <laughs> America? It's between come on. three. I mean, Rome's still around. It's just not. It's not the empire it used to be. Let's say almost two hundred and fifty years. It ain't going to fall in a decade. I don't know. Maybe I'm contradicting myself. <laughs> you never know. I'm, I mean, how much damage did did Hitler do to Germany 
in what? A little over 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, I think, I think what happened in Germany would be almost impossible to replicate these days because of the fact that we have the internet and the minute something happens on one side of the world, I mean, the second it happens, you can watch it happen live anywhere in the world if someone's got a camera pointed at it and they have an internet connection. You think Pearl Harbor would have happened with Facebook? (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of argument uh, against Hitler analogies is has to do with some of the definitely more outrageous things that he did. I think you can have a valid Hitler analogy without having to go directly to burning people. You you can talk about the things that Hitler did to get a nation of people behind him in whatever he wanted to do, right? When we talk about comparing Trump to Hitler... In my mind, that's not a, a comparison saying, well, Trump's end game is uh, he's going to round up Muslims in camps and burn them and then start World War III and ruin this nation forever. I well, think we it's can, more- The comparison <clears throat> is in the types of things, the language that he uses when talking to the people to get them on his side, to rally them. I think it's I think it's much more likely that if if another country, God forbid America, ever does try to pull uh, you know, nineteen thirties Germany on any level, uh, again, I think it's gonna be different as in we're going to piss off all the wrong people to where the opposition is most of the world against us. It's not going to be us going, taking over other countries. It's not, first of all, we're not set up like Europe is. Okay. I mean, you can, Texas is bigger than a lot of countries in Europe. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Right. It's true. And, and, and we're not, yeah, you know, we were really we're big on by ocean. Yeah. We wanted from, to- to take up as much space as we could on this continent, but we were never really crazy about colonization. I mean, we we barely acknowledge uh, uh, Puerto Rico. Exactly, yeah. But I think it's it's it. Or what the U.S. Virgin Islands, or what is the other one? Uh, uh, Guam. I know those are like our kids with our secret family Guam? that we should, we like to Bahamas. not talk about. Right. I. I think it's, God forbid, I hope I'm wrong, but I think a guy like Trump could easily get into office and just shit all over our foreign relations to the point where people will refuse to deal with us. And we... Mm, we, Hold on, hold on. Russia would probably be happy to deal with us. (laughs) Refuse to deal with us as far as... Not trade, not with not with private corporations, government wise. That's what I'm saying. We got two things on our side: money and technology. Yeah, but there's the. This is one of the things that Trump brought up. This is one of the things that Trump brought up 
briefly and then let go of because I guess it just wasn't a sexy enough issue to hold people's attention. But he is right about this um, because even a broken clock's right twice a day. Right. Uh, in the last 20 years, give or take, there's been a lot of people come from other countries, get the American education, and then go back to their own countries. And yeah, you know they're, taking, they're taking with them whatever they've learned. And if they've learned how to innovate and how to develop technologies, then that goes with them. So we're, we're, we don't have a monopoly on that anymore. Right. I mean, the, when we talk about immigration is uh, basically flat right now, um, that's a lot that, of people changing losing. their mind going, eh. Right. I think, well, the problem is that Trump looks at this as we got to stop these people from coming in here and stealing our education. And most sane people would say we have to give them a better reason to stay here because mm-hmm. the whole reason we set up this system is to attract the the most competent people to come here and be successful because we understand that democracy is not done you know by one person that it's done by the whole nation and what's really sad is that that's what we want but then we're really a nation of people who but then we scold every immigrant that comes in here we're really a nation of, of people who, if we weren't born here, no one would want us here, for the most part. I mean, one of the things that, that, that I, I did a couple months ago, I, I forgot to bring this up to you guys. I thought it, I thought it was interesting is I found a website to where um, it gives you basically an abbreviated uh, version of an American citizenship test. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're the actual word-for-word questions. You know, or they're from the pool of questions that you can be asked on that test. There's like 200 questions. Um, I took it, and I passed it with flying colors. And at the end, it said compare with, you know, other people who've taken this test. And the failure rate was like in the 60s, maybe even low 70s, if I remember correctly. That scared the shit out of me. I'm like, wow. So the only reason we enjoy garbage. Being, <laughs> only reason we enjoy being American and, and everything that comes with it is because we were born here. Because if we had to earn it, most of us couldn't. No, you're absolutely right. That That's is an a scary excellent thought. point, Rich. And I think an excellent one to wrap up the show on. Can't hit that button. <laughs> Enough. Yeah, no, it's. It's. I think we go through it every four years about how much, how many people are ignorant on the actual process of our government, of how it really works when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it. You know, they just think, oh, well, the most people vote for this person, so they should get in. Eh, well, you kind of had to explain how the system worked to you back when you were 17, 18. Right. You weren't paying attention. I think younger than that, even. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, you you start learning the basics of it in like middle school, but yeah, I don't know. You know, alt right. I figured something out today. Alt right. You got it all wrong. <laughs> you got it alt wrong. You got it alt wrong. <laughs> How the alt right got it alt wrong? We're not catering the minorities. We're catering to the stupid.
That's the scary thing. Yeah. The dumber you are, the more we're holding your hand. And we're just... Uh, sweet release of death. I'm halfway there. Race is halfway over. Where do... Hope, hope the world's safe for my nephews. And that... And wrap it, it's been that kind of sunny episode, kids. Just wrap it up on that too. <laughs> Thank everybody who's listened. Who's downloaded. Thanks for hanging in there. Yeah, I know, right? This is our Christmas time show, everybody. <laughs> no, we got at least one more. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, thanks. If you listen, you download it, you follow at Unregimented Pod on Twitter, at uh, Unregimented on Facebook. Uh, yeah. Numbers go up every week. Appreciate it. Like and share us on Facebook, all the happy horse shit. Email unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. And we'll see you next week. All right. Later, guys. enjoy this show and want more people to know about it head on over to itunes leave a comment and rate it five stars make sure you like and share us on facebook and don't forget to follow us on twitter just search for christopher media thank you in advance for supporting christopher media by clicking on the paypal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support christophermedia.net most importantly we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you christopher media could not exist without your support thank you for visiting christophermedia.net and thank you for listening christopher media let's make some noise thank you for visiting christophermedia.net